We implemented many ITIL processes. The world's most practiced methods for project management. ITIL has been um, a catalyst in my career. Hundreds of thousands of people with a PhD qualification. I've seen ITIL help organizations be more successful. The Axelos Podcast, bringing best practice directly to you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. Today, we are joined by Adrian Craig Graham from Axelos. Hello, Adrian. Hi, Alan. So, what is your role at Axelos? Can you tell the audience what you actually do for Axelos? Um, I'm the head of PMO, so I guess um, what I'm responsible for is the delivery of uh, all the projects within the business. Um, I've got a team of project managers that work with me, and um, we also have a project management office. Okay. How important is a PMO to an organisation? How important is it? If I'm really honest, I guess it depends on the type of organisation. So for an organisation that's running lots of projects, I, I feel it's, it's imperative. Um, but how that organisation, the needs or the needs of that organisation will determine the type of PMO that should be there. I don't think there's a specific um, sort of recipe um, for, you know, for every single organisation. I think you need to adjust to the organisation. So you know that Axelos last year, they produced an Axelos PPM benchmark report. I think uh, everyone everyone got a copy off, and if you need any further copies out there, please let us know and we'll supply you with them. It has been reported that there's been some increase in the utilisation of project end reviews, but the rate is still low. What are your views on this as, as a head of PMO? I'm, I think it's a good thing that um, the rates are going up. I, I guess I'm disappointed at the sort of the rate that they're increasing by. Um, I've been in Axelos for um, over five years um, and um, I've been working in projects for around about 15, possibly 20 years. And um, the worst thing I think you can do is um, not spend some time looking at how we did what we did. Um, I think that that can be quite detrimental to um, a project that's in flight of not looking at what someone else has done in the past. And I think it also can be quite detrimental to projects um, in the future in terms of how can we do better. Um, so, so for me, I think that's you know, is quite disappointing in some respects, but um, I think that's a commitment that uh, the rest of the um, project management teams in, in the business and maybe us at Axelos need to sort of fly that flag about its importance. Mm, totally agree. In the report, uh, the, there was particular comments made about it in particular, what are your views on the time and resource constraints reasons? Because organisations are saying, we don't have the time, it's, there's too much to do, the resource constraints are, the resources are now budgeted for another project, so there's no one to talk to and there's no one to do it. So what's your views on that? I guess you've got two opportunities, really. Um, first of all, um, constantly reviewing how a project is progressing is actually one of the primary roles of a project manager and one of the key drivers that I think a project management office should be, um, you know, sort of professing or, or, you know, in terms of championing. So for me, I, I, do, I, I do struggle with, with that, that term. Um, I think it's a bad idea necessarily just to have a review right at the end of, let's say, a project that, or program that's been going for two or three years or even something that's been going on for a year, I think it's actually better to have um, some steps or, or have some junctures in a, in a project that you can look and see, oh, how have we done for the last month? How have we done for the last six months, et cetera? 
if we're using something like Prince to Agile um, or we're using more agile approaches, we have things like called retrospectives. Um, so after maybe a two or four week sprint, we have a small opportunity to look at how things are going. So what are actually retrospectives for the audience, for the agile, for the agile people who don't know? Yeah, so I mean, retrospectives is, is gives you an opportunity to really look back and see how we're doing what we're doing. Um, it, it's not necessarily um, what we've done. It's just, is, is there little things that we can do to improve it? Um, if we, you know, if it was more of an IT thing and, and you realised that you needed to get maybe a UAT environment ready so we could do testing early and you haven't done that, we know that's going to have an impact on delivery. So to keep making that same mistake is certainly going to have an impact. If it's you're working with people and processes and you realise that it's something you should have done, you haven't done it, it's a little reminder for you to look at that. So um, for, for me, I think it's really important. Um, I think in a lot of our projects, we've had some that run from a, a couple of weeks to 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 um, to several years. We do start to look at how we can incorporate continuous learning on a regular basis. So I think it's absolutely imperative. It says in the report that lessons learned need to be logged and actioned. What's your view on this? I completely agree. Um, I, I just exactly agree. I think. You, there, there is no point of having um, a lessons learned session um, and then not actually having some actions and activities um, to do that. One thing I would say, I think historically, um, project management offices and, and, and some project managers have had um, a reputation of turning um, the lessons learned in quite a bureaucratic and quite a dull um, activity. And it's just like one big, large report. Exactly. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, you've got a, you know, a 100-line spreadsheet that you're going through. And let's be honest, I, I couldn't imagine anything worse of, of going through that. So I think it is a responsibility of PMO, um, responsibility of project manager, to look at those um, different um, styles and, and sort of methods of, of, um, of the way that we do these activities and make it interesting. Um, for me, um, we work with um, lots of senior stakeholders and we look, work with lots of delivery teams that are frankly really busy. So, you know, it, it's sometimes much easier to, you know, have a couple of sticky notes on a board, um, just a couple of key bullet points of um, these are the things that are going well, these are the things that aren't going well, these are the things I don't understand, these are things that made me mad, and, and just spending, let's say, half an hour going through that and then regularly committing to that on... Um, you know, in, in a month's time or, or two months' time uh, to, to do that um, review. Mm -hmm. But in terms of actually actioning that, you, you have to do that. Otherwise, that the whole thing is a, is a complete waste of time. We, you know, our, our books, Prince 2, we, we talk about acting on lessons learned. You, you have to do that. If, if, you, if you've got a car and, uh, you know, there's a hole in the tyre and, you know, someone says, yeah, you need to get that fixed, it's a slow puncher, and you continue just to drive it and not do anything about it, you can't be surprised when you end up stuck on a motorway um, with, with a flat tyre. And, and that's the same thing. It's, and, and, and again, you can use different approaches. You can sometimes have um, the top two things that we, you know, that those are the real critical things in a, in a project or activity, that if we get that, there'll be some maximum, you know, some really good impact on um, the business, how the... Um, how stakeholders are engaged or how the project's running and then leave some you know the two three four five six to, to another time um, you don't have to spend two hours doing a, a lessons learned exercise where everyone's falling asleep uh, and and no one will ever read that document again it has to be snappy it needs to be more of a one pager it has to be engaging and and that's our responsibility i think as as project managers and and, and pmos to 
to champion that. Um, so in essence, you, you're, you're suggesting it's more like a c continuous activity. Exactly. So, so if something's going wrong, you fix it and yep. then move on. Yeah. So you're continually progressing. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly that way. We, we need to get out of this mindset that it's we do delivery and then we decide we're going to sit down and, and do this bureaucratic activity of learning some lessons and then forget about it and move on to the next project. We, we have to start to think about how can we, you know, make some small adjustments and improvements to things. And then actually let's, you know, if you're starting another project and someone else has done a similar project, for me, it's frankly insane not to... Um, not to you know ask someone else has done a similar project what things went well what things didn't go well and and if there's a one pager or two page document that can look at those things I think you know it you're, you're already setting yourself up for success um, I don't think either you, you don't even have to use that as your basis to create a project you just need to use it as something to consider seems like it makes sense makes perfect sense but the report still says that organizations I still aren't doing this, and I, I totally agree with you. I think it's something that Axelos, we need to champion going forward to improve projects working effectively. Alan, do you mind if I chip in quickly? Uh, Adrian, when you're talking about lessons learned and you're making considerations for lessons learned, how do you avoid like a blame culture? Uh, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I, I like the, 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 the projects and programs that either I run or I encourage my teams to run are Ones that we can be very open and we can be very frank. I, I think if you have an organisation that goes, oh, it's the, you know, it's the assessment team's fault or it's the IT's fault or it's so-and-so's fault, that actually doesn't solve the problem. Um, I think in um, you do get sometimes in lessons learnt or retrospectives, as I've been calling some of these from, for agile practices, that people say this is the problem. But actually, the key thing is, is what is the recommendation? What can we do to improve that? Some of our most successful projects and programs, in, even in Axelos, have been the ones where we've been really quite honest and said, do you know what? This isn't working. Um, this isn't working the right way. What can we do it as a team? Because we are responsible for it to improve it. So there is no such thing of, oh, so-and-so made a mistake. Adrian made a mistake. It was Alan's fault. Harry's fault. It's very much, let's look forward and learn from the past. So, in essence, organization culture needs to be taken into consideration about how you effectively roll out lessons learned. So it's not a blame culture, it's not a continuous improvement culture, I think. Is that the important statement to make here? I think it really is. I think um, uh, as w when I took over the team, one of the things that I was really interested in is making sure that the business itself is engaged and, and making sure that we understood what each different stakeholder wanted um, what they needed, which sometimes are, are different things, and um, how can we continually service those people? I mean, as project managers, most of the time we're not doing the actual work. We're almost the, the people on the sidelines that are, you know, are just making sure that everyone's you know, got the things that they need. And the worst thing we can do is, is slow people down. Um, so when people talk about you, we don't have time to do you know, lessons learned, I said, well, you actually don't have time not to because if you get some of these mistakes right, you could save an output of maybe 20%, 10%, even 50%. And that's one thing that hopefully organisations who are listening to the podcast today will take away and try and implement. You, uh, we, we touched on the culture of the organisation. So what support can senior managers play and provide in, in endorsing this culture and also endorsing lessons learned being utilised continuously 
and projects? That's a really good question. To be honest, I don't think I've thought about it too much. And I just always see them as just a, a, another stakeholders, a, a, another stakeholder rather. Um, I think senior managers do have a, a leadership role to, um, to show us the way of where, where we're going and provide a vision. Um, they need to make sure that they provide enough resources to the project as well. Um, and I think that that's really important. I think if they see the value in the lessons learned, then they will encourage their teams to go. And I think that onus comes back on the project management office and the project manager to show the inherent value of, you know, even after doing a, a small um, lessons learned after you're two months into a project to say, oh, well, these are the things we need to improve. And then two months later, we said, oh, well, we improved these things and, and these things have got better. That, that's a good way to show a, a senior stakeholder, look, that's the value in doing it, and to allow that senior manager to um, release the teams to, to do the work or make sure we've got enough bandwidth to do that. Mm. I hope that answers the question. That does. So? And it's also interesting to note is the considerable amount of change initiatives, and we have to stress here, global change initiatives that Axelos have actually launched and initiated over the last in five years in its existence, and it's quite interesting to know, is it true that basically these initiatives, if there hadn't been a continuous improvement program or culture within the organisation, they wouldn't have been possible to achieve them? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think you, you do need to build on the past. You need to make sure it doesn't um, uh, prevent you from trying new things. And I think that that's always the balance, and I think sometimes that's how sometimes people think of you know, lessons learned, it's always about looking back. And all you're doing is just trying not to make the same mistakes that you made in the past. Or if you some things went really well, let's try and enhance those things. Um, it is, it's very important, I think, particularly with large glo um, global organisations as well. You get things like contractors will come in for um, uh, a certain period of time. For me, the, the worst thing you can do is um, you get a really good um, contractor, project manager, program manager, what have you, come in, do, do a fantastic job, and then they leave, um, say, see you later, and um, no one knows, you know, the things that went well, the things that didn't get well, to try and emulate that in, in the next initiative. And the next initiative could be in a couple of months' time. There could be another initiative that's running in parallel. So I think it's also important for, to share that learning. It's really important. We do that in our team a lot. Um, we have regular catch-ups and um, we actually put aside, uh, you know, um, some time uh, as a team to just share what's going on in the project and how we're doing things rather than necessarily the status of a project. And quite often we find that, oh, I didn't realise you were doing it this way. Um, maybe I should give that a go and, and that might, um, you know, things could improve and, and things would be better. So you're improving continuously all the time rather than saying, let's wait to the end, we'll have a review and then we will implement it into the next project. Yes. It's because it's got to be done continuously. It's, I think it's far too late to do, it, to do it right at the end. And I think the other thing is, is that I think that there's a, a mistake that sometimes that people can remember how a project um, actually was conducted and sometimes the highs and lows in the project actually were at different times. Um, if you're constantly taking even, you know, small notes on something, you know, we use Microsoft Teams here, um, you know, it doesn't have to be some huge document, but just some bullet points of this went really well, this didn't go so well. And then you remind yourself that at the end of the project, you can remember, oh, actually, do you know what, in the future, let's make sure when we're two thirds into the project, we do that. 
let's make sure when we're three quarters in the project, we definitely don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you know, you can sh- you can cross pollinate that um, across the the project teams, and and even if you're a contractor, you can use that learning when you go to another business. I think you know it's just mad not to. That's an interesting interesting answer, Adrian. But also, how do you deal with third parties who might not have the culture that Axlos has about learning from the past, building on the past? You've come up against a third party who are basically engaged a key part of the project, but they don't have that same sort of culture. How do you get around that? You you have to show people value. You know, I think we we have products that uh, that talk about that as well. But in everything we do, we need to show people. Well, the reason we're doing this is because we'll gain this from it. And um, the the best way for me, and I think the the most effective way to um, change people's mind and get them on board is to see for them to see what's in it for them if they can see do you know what actually if we spend you know 20 minutes half an hour out to um just take stock of what's happened then it it could mean that either the stress is relieved on a certain team or actually could mean that the you know the output um, of that team could could increase and so once people are much more comfortable and that's kind of what um, you're talking about harry there around sort of the blame culture once you remove that, mm. where people feel comfortable saying, do you, this isn't working, or do you know what, I think we can do better, that's actually where you can capture those little things and then share it amongst your teams. I think it's just fantastic. I think you just have to get people involved. And also the fact is that if people are actually putting suggestions forward, this is how we can do it, then if that's something within the PMO team or external, then it, it does foster a great feeling of team the one team together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. I think, you know, you, again, it's in Prince 2 about, you, you know, having a communication strategy. For, for us at PMO, when we talk about communications, it's not, just, it's not just reports. It's about talking to people. It's spending time with those key stakeholders. And some of those are senior. And, and, and then some are, some are um, a directorate level, some are operational level. And it's really important to get all those people involved and spend time with them. And you, you may spend time with them just talking about your approach to delivery rather than the delivery itself. You get those people on board and they understand and can start to see the value. Um, you, you'll, you will transform your business. Because, because stakeholders, are, the, the reason they get upset is because they don't know. Yeah. Or they're just too busy. Mm-hmm. But it's how you, where you can you actually convey information to them. And it's quite interesting to observe the PMO at Axlos. It's very visible. Mm. I've been in other organisations where the PMO is invisible and the, the, the only time you interact with them is every Friday when the checkpoint or highlight reports <laughs> have got to go in. So how important do you think that is to basically aid communication and benefit delivery in the organisation? It's, it's very difficult because um, you have to have that balance where you are um, supporting the teams but you're not slowing them down and, and it's... And what I mean by that, you you need to support them to do their job and you need to empower them to do their activities. And you don't want to necessarily be slowing them down saying, oh, tell me where this is and, and, and go down to minutiae detail of, of of an issue if it's not required. Um, you know, as, as PMs, we, we need to be like the, the buddies of the business, I guess. And um, the more you develop those relationships and, and the more they feel... Um, that they can trust you is actually when that relationship works really well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, regular catch-ups. I mean, for me, I think um, little and often in certain environments works really well for us. So in some teams, we, we run almost more 
traditional sort of scrum Kanban board sprints, etc., where we have daily stand-ups and, you know, demos and retrospectives. Other projects, it's more of a weekly update with key leads. But even in then, when we talk about challenging ourselves, uh, as a team, we'll constantly look at how the project is running from a structural point of view and that communications and think, do you know what? We used to have a meeting every week. We probably could have it every other week or actually at the moment, let's have it every two weeks, but then reduce the time and be really short on that. Make sure it's definitely half an hour or, or definitely 15 minutes rather than you know, a three hour meeting. So all of those things are just really important. I think that's a valuable point because uh, when you've got uh, uh, organizations like Axlos or really progressive organizations as well, everyone is so busy that they don't want meetings. They want to be doing stuff to achieve the objectives. Yeah. And it's really making those meetings worthwhile and the value from it. And it's really, in my view, is that communications is important because that's one of the other problems that projects and programs have. But communication channels, effective communication channels, effectively incorporate lessons. This is what we're yeah. going to do. This is what we're seeing. It's not going right. So what we're going to do, we're going to try to put it right like this. Yep. Rather than stumbling on. I completely agree. And just even to go down that, 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 you know, that avenue of communications channels, that, that goes back to the reason why you need to have things like lessons learned because it gives you that opportunity for the teams just to sit back for a little bit and just say, okay, I, I, I didn't, you know, there may be one member of the team says that, do you know what, I, I wasn't quite clear on what the brief was or someone else didn't tell me that this was going on. And if you don't spend a little bit of time doing that, then you, you could isolate maybe a team or an individual that's really um, sort of paramount to the team. Um, it's, it's really important. On another note, um, in terms of channels, um, we use um, Office 365 quite a lot. We use Microsoft Teams. Um, for me, it's been um, one of the most powerful tools I think I've come across where you have um, sort of live collaboration. We, we have lots of different threads for the different work streams within the project. And rather than sometimes being quite closed off and you know, only sharing certain things with certain teams, we go, do you know what? We're gonna share gen generally every, most things or everything or as much as we can to, to be quite transparent in terms of what's going on what we're learning and and rather than waiting, let's say, for a weekly meeting, someone can just put a chat and at that person and someone can continue to respond down that thread. We can upload files. I've really championed just having sort of just even rough versions of things and we can discuss that rather than having final documents. All of those things get us more relaxed around being able to show what we're thinking about rather than actually a, a final product. And I think that goes back to people not feeling that if I get something wrong, I'm going to get blamed for it and, and what have you. We just switch and, and adjust and, and move on. And also from a, from a business operations perspective, it gives the business confidence that the PMO is just not standing back. It's basically trying to make the scary situation less scary. Yeah. And, and that's what PMO should be doing, et cetera. Just going back to the, so what improvements in project delivery uh, have, have you seen and observed? Because one of the things when you look at what Axlos have done in the short period of time they've been in place, they've done some massive updates. I mean, they've updated the Prince 2, they're now updating ITIL. And these are best practice guides and examinations and certifications that people use all over the world. So these projects have huge, huge impacts in various industries. So what, are, what developments have you observed, say, from the start of, say, Prince 2 Agile being developed up until, up until now, ITO, ITO 4 MP? How, how have things changed? Wow. 
um, <laughs> um, exponentially. Um, it's, it's been an incredible journey. I, I was involved in the Prince to Update. Um, I was involved in the Prince to Agile and um, also um, I, I've been the sort of program manager for the, for the ITIL Update, which has um, several modules and, and, and worked with a, um, a bunch of project managers and some fantastic teams. I think the, the biggest thing that has changed actually is that openness and, and that transparency. Um, when, when I took on the, the ITIL um, for program, there was, there was lots of things that people weren't quite sure about. And I think what I tried to do was to make people feel comfortable about um, saying that they're, they're unsure about things and, and then how we can improve it. Uh, and the dividends that we've paid from that is some extremely rapid delivery. I'm um, just, I mean, incredible delivery in terms of the output and, and the volume of work that we've um, benefited from, from let's say ITIL 4 to let's say Prince 2 was again, I think that two or three years difference, so much better. And why? Because we spent more time talking about things that went right and, and things that didn't go right. I think you, you have to have a, a team that feels comfortable and everyone has to have the opportunity to have their say. Um, I think project structures are really important and they have to be continually challenged. So um, just because you have a weekly meeting um, you may need to have a sub-meeting with, with those teams. But just be clear, you know, you're having that sub-meeting just so you can focus on maybe their pinch points. And if you realise you're taking up too much of their time, then then dial it back to maybe only 50 minutes or, or then don't have it and see how it goes. I think one thing I did like about us, we weren't scared to try things out. And then if it went wrong, we, we did something else. If, if you essentially wait till the end of a project then, you know, we'd probably have delivered um, ITIL Foundation in uh, 2030. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So what messaging should we give to the, the guys and girls out there who have reviewed, who contributed to the PPM benchmark report and are still not doing project end reviews and incorporating lessons learned into their projects? What, what can we do to help them in this area? <laughs> I guess there's my gut reaction is you, you, you've got to do it. You really have got to do it. You, it's like running with, with someone's got a chain around your leg. I, I just, you know, we need to show what the value is. I think we, as Axlos as well, need to show it's not about bureaucracy. It's about improvement. It's about value. And it's not about having long meetings. It's, it's not about essentially the PM having his time pointing his finger. It's actually an opportunity for the business to grow. And it's an opportunity for us to be comfortable with our failures and also be comfortable with our successes. I think if we push that, you, I think you'd get a lot more engagement. From a financial point of view, I'm sure there will be metrics that will back that up. I, we definitely have that in our in our business here in terms of the way that we've decided to do things differently and the way that the teams have been much more open. That has had an impact on, on, on what we do in terms of our outputs, our deliveries. And I'm sure when you've got organizations that are trying to do what they do um, better, provide better services, make money, that's what organizations do, all of these things go back to having a robust lessons learned um, procedure in your organization. And that's also the key point is that you've been running programs which are affecting best practice guides, which are affecting huge parts of industries, for example, uh, IT service management and also project management, so worldwide. So it's not as if you've been uh, 
in a small backwater somewhere running projects and programs which nobody's going to know about. These are global changes. So I think it's important a message to take away that for the people who are still not looking to utilise this great opportunity to improve what they do, then they need to take it on board. Very, very much so. Uh, and I think, I think the only way we can continue to do that is um, spark the conversations. I, you know, I'm sure uh, I do hope there are some comments and, and conversations that come from this podcast. Uh, I'm always happy to sort of have those discussions with, with teams and people around how it's a part of delivery. You know, it's part of that business justification to continue um, and to make sure that, you know, you get the ROI on, on the project. So, mm. yeah, let's let, let's get the word out. And the, the one thing, just just before we, we finish off, is that this is one thing that you always, we, we and you always talk about. It's the glad, sad, mad. Puzzled. Oh, puzzled. Tell, us, tell, tell the audience about <laughs> that, please. We got to. Yeah, so um, Glad, Sad, Mad, Puzzled, um, that was an activity for, from uh, a software company that we did some work with um, some, some time ago. And um, after we did our two weeks um, sprints, um, traditionally in terms of you're following sort of uh, agile practices and sort of scrum, et cetera, you would do uh, a demonstration of the work that's taken place. Then you would do a retrospective. So as we talked about, it would be quickly, let's just spend 15 minutes and look at the things that went well, Glad, the things that didn't go so well, sad, um, the things that really annoyed you, and let's be honest about that, mad, and then the things that we still don't understand puzzled. So we, we had those as colours as well, so it was like green, yellow, red, uh, and blue, and they were really effective. And, and to be honest, we still use that as our, um, you know, our go-to, um, whether it's a lessons learned or retrospective, uh, and they've been really, really, really helpful. Other reason I like it is I think it evokes a little bit of emotion. You know, we're not robots, we're human beings. We, we go to work, um, we, we do these jobs because usually we have a passion for it. So, you know, what the things that made you happy? What things made you sad about the project? Let's try and remove those things. What things made you mad? You know, this is a, you know, we call it a safe space in our retrospectives that people can, um, you know, maybe be a bit more vocal than um, they would probably feel more comfortable outside. And, and then be honest about things we don't know. And so I, I just really like them. They're really powerful. But again, the key thing is, is when someone says, you know, they're mad about something, we, we push back on them and say, okay, what is the recommendation? What can we do next time to improve that? And, and it's a two-way thing for me. It is um, what can that individual do? Because sometimes they can still do something. And then what can the organization or what can the project team do to support, you know, what made them mad or what made them sad or puzzled. So they're not allowed to say, I don't like that, then full stop. I don't like it, and this is the reason uh, for it. And can you give us a couple of solutions to stop it? I, I agree, because it ends up just being quite cathartic. I think you, it, we, you, we can let off some steam and say things are great and things aren't great, but if we don't look forward, and that's the whole point of having these things of how we can improve them, we're going to continually make those mistakes over and over again. And that goes back to the reason why we need to um, continue to have these lessons learned or retrospectives. Axlos is quite a small organisation. Do you think the, the issues that were seen in the report, mainly because we're looking at also large organisations, do you think your application of lessons learned to improve delivery and projects, would that be hampered in large organisations or does it just depend on the culture that's, that's endorsed? I think it, I think the culture, I think, you know, much like our products, Prince2, um, Prince2 Agile, MSP, they're all scalable. You tailor the activity to the team 
and the size of the project and, and what it needs, it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, I've worked in small organisations you know, um, in terms of our size. I've worked in huge uh, government organisations as well. Uh, and you still need to have those, those things. Um, just being succinct and, and making sure you don't spend an onerous amount of time on it is, is, is key because that's where you start to lose the value. Mm. And, and then you lose the adoption and you lose people. And I think that's the reason why the, the levels aren't as, um, as high as we'd like. Adrian, what final message would you like to give to the, the people who are listening to the podcast about the, about the topic? I know it's, it's something that's really important to you, but just some, maybe some f- final, final takeaways for the audience. I really wish I had an inspirational one-liner. Um, I'm probably not the right person for that. And I've probably been told I talk too much. Um, but I think is just give it a go and don't make it too complicated. Um, just put aside half an hour. Um, you know, do something like glad, sad, mad, puzzled. Say, I'm glad that this project's gone great. I'm sad that it took, you know, an extra two weeks to get something. I'm mad because we couldn't get something approved. I'm puzzled because I still don't understand the process. And then build on that. Just start there. Adrian, I'd like to thank you today for your contribution. Much appreciated. Thanks, Alan. Presented by Axelos.